Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers and indeed e-commerce sellers. Today, we're talking with Emily Maguire of Flourish and Grit, and they are an email marketing and automation studio who help businesses uncover hidden revenue in their email lists. I think I got that strap line right this time. Emily, warm welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. And I gave it a seal of approval. Thank you. That's excellent. I feel better now. So we've been talking, we, we did a really, I thought, lots of great content from the last email about why you should ditch your email newsletter and actually tons of stuff about really fine tuning the messaging to make sure that you're really writing about things and connecting above all to your audience. So today I want to talk a bit more about the sort of structure and how we make that happen, if you like, on the back end as, as marketers. So you've talked about ditching the newsletter. I'm still somehow <laughs> suffering as it were, virtual withdrawal symptoms. I haven't ditched it yet, but I'm even scared about the idea of that. So presumably we've got to come up with something more powerful to replace it. So what's the sort of basic principle or sort of structure that we need to get in place to improve our email marketing? So, you know, it's basically just a mindset shift from cramming as much content and products into an email as possible to something more strategic and focused to help guide your subscribers from the email to checkout. And uh, typically that looks like really just focusing in on one theme, right? Well, let's back up. It means having a specific goal for your email campaigns. (laughs) It's really astonishing to me anytime I talk to a new customer or lead, when I ask them what their goals are for their email programs, I get blank stares. And it doesn't matter the size of the business, I get blank stares. So you know, really being conscious of, you know, what is your goal for that email campaign? Is it a purchase or is it just to keep your list engaged? And if it's a purchase, then how do you frame it so that people feel like you are helping them and guiding them instead of just pitching because people sniff that stuff out. So it's really keeping focused on one theme, one idea, and then plugging all of your products and messaging around that and making it super clear what it is people need to do in order to take the next step. So is that viewing products? Is it browsing? Is it go ahead and purchase? So being really clear what that CTA is next. Yeah. CTA being call to action, just in case it's one of those three letter abbreviations, three word abbreviations rather. So Okay, that's, first of all, very, very good point, having a goal for email campaigns. And and yes, I guess my goal with the newsletter, I guess I would argue is engagement. So mm-hmm. what would your response be if I came in and said, I want to work with you, Emily, because you're clearly very expert in email marketing, you're getting great results for your clients. And then you said, okay, Mike, the first thing we've got to do is ditch this email newsletter. And I go, okay, I get that it is not helping engagement really because they're just looking at it and go oh too much can't deal with that so what do I replace if I wanted to do engagement things specifically which I think for a lot of people is is kind of the purpose of why they've been doing a newsletter not so much about purchasing 
what are the better ways to keep people engaged specifically if it's an engagement campaign to get them to know like and trust you if we want to put it in those terms so it's offering content right and it's offering content that's relevant to your ideal customer not just anybody your ideal customer and so and it's that knowing who they are and making them feel like you know them and you have their best interests at heart and that doesn't mean that you can't promote anything in that right it just means you have to be uh, tactical about it right you don't you're not shoving it in their face yeah. so it's really looking at okay serving the content that your ideal customer wants and then also just offering the option of if you if that person is interested in working with you how do they do that because then you're if you're just throwing content out there all the time and somebody's reading it and they have the idea oh i really want to know more about this product or service then you're making them hunt for that information like you're putting more you're putting the burden on them to reach out to you and find that information. So all content, obviously with the exception of responding to a crisis, <laughs> should have some sort of offer associated with it. Even if it's just if you're if you want to learn more about working together or purchasing these products, here's where to go. So it's interesting. So on the one hand, you're removing something that feels kind of comfort zone, but is actually not helpful. And on the other hand, you're just saying, actually, you should always be making offers, even if they're very gently phrased, which kind of mm -hmm. is another alarming thing. But it makes total business sense. And in the end, if you create stuff and you never ask anyone to do anything, they're probably not going to do anything <laughs> unless you're really exactly. just the odd, very active person will just hunt through the rubbish you got. And that's one of the problems with my site is there's so much content. And that's not the only site that out there. There's some e-commerce sites out there where it's horrendously hard to find what you want we've all tried mm -hmm. to browse them so where do we go from here i mean i guess the one of the things that strikes me i suppose if i if i think a little bit more clearly which wouldn't be hard <laughs> about what the heck am i doing with these uh, newsletters that i send out or, or that i receive i guess specifically what people are trying to do is actually nurture prospects rather than or prospective buyers rather than actual proven customers mm -hmm. so how do we approach that first of all i guess we've got to separate the two out right which most of us <laughs> fail in me, me included <laughs> once we've identified that we've got a difference what do we do mm -hmm. with prospective customers you haven't bought yet that's different so that is offering i mean you have to introduce them to your brand like they need to know who you are what you're about your values like it's really uh, imbuing sort of all your email content with that information and so you're essentially you are selling yourself all the time and without them knowing, you're selling yourself. So that means overcoming objectives in really subtle ways. It means, again, really tailoring your content to what your audience wants. And it's not explicitly saying those things. It's basically having a relationship, right? And then, again, always including some sort of information on how to take the next step with your brand. Again, if that is, you know, booking a call, if that is, you know, view these products to if you're interested in this particular thing or this additional piece of content, it's always giving them the option to take that next step, no matter what the content is and plugging it, plugging what it is you do and what you're about and what differentiates you.
I mean, one thing that strikes me is the CTA call to action idea that you're constantly training people, I guess, in taking micro actions. And they may not be actually the action of purchasing. It might not be action of viewing a purchase of a purchasable physical product. It might be just downloading a guide and then downloading another guide and then another. But mm-hmm. I guess you're training them to, to open your emails and to click on the things in them, right? So that's and learning, interesting. Yeah, and learning more about your brand, your expertise, and how you are contributing to the world in general. Like some brands <laughs> are very, you know, socially and environmentally conscientious, and that's going to attract a really specific type of customer. If you are not telling people about those things, like those things build trust. And so you have to, you know, tell people about them. And like, even if it is just, you know, click more to learn about this initiative we have that builds trust, right? It's one more step to binding your your prospects to your brand. Absolutely. Uh, and one of the things I would say about Amazon um, sellers that are very geared to analyzing spreadsheets, dealing with the mechanics of keyword ranking and all that sort of, as I said, a bit autistic stuff that's not very relationship-based, it's very transactional, is that sometimes you come up with a marketing initiative, and I'm not going to name the particular na- initiatives based on my, my clients because of confidentiality, but one of them came up with an idea that just as a marketing gimmick, and it kind of took on a life of its own, and it was kind of to do with environmental things and, and relationships between children and their parents and the fact that everyone spends their time you know involved in digital stuff all the time and not mm-hmm. interact with other people and because their product absolutely is all about the interaction between people it it absolutely took off and and they created quite a lively facebook community that they could then turn to for the thing they actually cared about as a business to be honest which is reviews and mm-hmm. and they hugely shot at their review rate on amazon which is incredibly powerful but really it did come down to shared values and actually it turned out weirdly enough that the customers cared more about it than the person who came up with it in the first place, which is probably not the the first time that's happened. Right. I mean, I think that sometimes you put stuff out in the world, it it takes on a life of its own, but I think having that value set and communicating it clearly was the starting point, but which is kind of weird. I'm not even advocating people going fake and interest in something. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm saying. So also we've, we've talked about one of the things you said to me is that you've got to treat the, customers versus buyers differently not just different messaging but some of the things you you offer them different deals and stuff for example so tell me a bit more about the ways we should treat buyers and and prospects differently obviously uh, i can't remember you know the the exact numbers but it costs an infinite an infinite amount more i don't know x amount more to acquire a new customer than it is to keep an existing one and so an existing customer does not need as much incentive to buy from you again, right? You've already proven yourself to them. They've already experienced your entire purchasing cycle, behavior, whatever that is. And they don't need as big of a discount as a new, as a prospect does to make that next purchase. They just need a small incentive. So, you know, you could be throwing away money by offering the same discount to everyone on your list you could dramatically pull that back to buyers or none at all, right? You don't even have to offer a discount. So just even thinking about it from that perspective and, you know, what what exactly do specific people on your list need to be incentivized to make that next purchase and segmenting your list based on that is going to be massive for your bottom line. Yeah, I, I really should probably grab that out and put it at the, the front of the podcast because I think that if people hear 
you know, you talking with me for an hour and a half or whatever, and they take nothing else away. That can make them a lot of money this year, I think, because it's mm-hmm. such a simple but very important insight. Okay, this is great. Now, let's talk a little bit more about actually structuring the email content. We've already talked about the fact that you should have a sort of call to action in, or an offer of some description in pretty much every email. And yet, <laughs> that could be a red rag to a bull because so many <laughs> email emails from e-commerce sellers, particularly if they're geared to the Amazon hyper-shouty environment, shall we say, very aggressive marketing, especially in the US, that can be an incentive for them to just make discount offers for products in every single email. So how do we balance out this sort of um, brand building values, offers, and sort of content in our email marketing? So, you know, the content itself is sort of the the framework in which you are packaging your products and whatever it is you're offering. So you can have a content piece about, you know, I think we talked about, you know, date night, right? So people struggle with, you know, finding date nights while married or cohabitating for a long time, especially in the pandemic. So here are five things to do. And here are products that will help you do it, right? So it's offering advice, it's offering suggestions, and a framework to then plug your products. Like what can you do with these products? What, what pain points do they help alleviate? And so it's being helpful and suggestive, while directing people to that specific collection or category or product or whatever it is. So there's that piece. And then there's also the piece of just like, okay, we're going to throw this content out there. And then by the way, you know, PS, they sort of, I think they call it like the power PS, right? PS, here's, here are all these things that you can purchase or view or browse that relate to this particular content topic or, and, or, you know, every once in a while, if you do want to do a sale or a special promo, you can frame it around a specific thing you know a season or 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 an aspiration you know that kind of thing make it fun make it something people are excited about or that they want to read uh, this is really really good and talking about date night in the pandemic my wife and i absolutely love italy and we've we've had several trips to italy cancelled now first world problems let's be clear this is not the worst thing to happen in the pandemic <laughs> but we are missing it and we are stuck at home and so what we decided is that we're going to have an italian film season and we're going to watch films oh. in, in italian which we started with on saturday because we're both learning italian through duolingo we sit in there tapping away and we ordered in italian pizzas now it would take almost nothing for somebody to email me or my wife. I'm telling anyone who sells pizzas in North London area right now, if you have really fantastic Italian pizzas, you send us that and you put it around the whole date night thing. You, you're pushing it an open door. We're going to buy. We're just going to buy. Right. Right. Because it totally resonates with exactly where we're at right now. So you just nailed my life. You, you've got a, <laughs> a fly on the wall camera here. So I love that you, what you're saying resonates so, so strongly. It so makes sense and it's fun and playful and, and it's, yeah, once you start thinking this way, as you said, it's a mindset shift. I, I'm immediately seeing how this could work. It, it feels mm-hmm. incredibly doable, which, again, is a sign of an expert talking to you. They make it feel more doable, not less. Often, I, I found, like, when I talk to somebody who's really expert in an area on the podcast, I go away thinking, why am I not doing this? 
So that's fantastic. I love that. So tell me a little bit more. Let's let's talk about more geeky stuff. So we talked about don't do the email newsletter. I get it. So that's the classic weekly broadcast email that goes out. You have to create it each week. I get my VA to create it, which is, you know, I don't know if it's better or probably worse. <laughs> Maybe I've at some level acknowledged that it's not something I should be doing. But then we've got the whole broadcast versus autoresponder thing. So in technical terms, how do you suggest structuring things with that in regards yes. to Yes. Yeah. So, well, first of all, there are so many words people use for these things, you know, broadcasts, campaigns, what else? Anyway, just a number of words that people talk about those sort of push emails and then autoresponders. People can also refer to them as automations, funnels, drip campaigns, workflows, that kind of stuff. So first of all, I want to address the language issue because people are like, wait, what's that? (laughs) So the difference is, you know, these sort of broadcasts, emails or email campaigns that you are putting together and then scheduling to a specific list or segment is something that's typically seasonal, right? It's time sensitive, or it's just something you're working on right now, right? And then an autoresponder and automation is something that it goes out in the background, right? So it's triggered on some sort of digital uh, behavior, right? Somebody signs up for a list, they make a purchase, they browse a certain product category, right? It's something that they are doing that you can collect data on, right? So some sort of digital touch point. And then you can start serving emails or automating specific email campaigns to people based on that trigger. So another example is like an abandoned cart campaign. So somebody goes, put something in their cart, they leave your website. Well, that is digital. That's a digital touch point that you can then grab into your email service provider and start sending out emails for. Obviously, you have to have their email address. And then you can customize what that flow looks like, depending on all sorts of things. So let's say in a abandoned cart campaign, you're going to send out three emails, three days apart each to recover that cart. Well, you might want to set conditions to that as well that says, okay, they recovered their cart, let's stop sending the emails. Or this person meets another set of criteria where we don't want to send them these emails anymore. We got to boot them out. So that's the difference, right? It's very behavior-based versus, you know, this is just what's happening right now. And these are the sort of offers we're constructing and we've planned and scheduled to go out during a specific time frame. Perfect. You put that very simply. And by the way, I've got to ask, because this is an internet marketing show in which we haven't mentioned a single software uh, or SaaS or anything yet, which is kind of unusual, to say the (laughs) least, and kind of ungrateful for that. But let me be the one to ask uh, which email autoresponders uh, you've found helpful in the past for these sorts of things. Or or email systems, shall we say. There I am using a very specific word. You're quite right. Everyone uses different terms for these things. Exactly. Yeah. So so I typically for the the e-commerce world, for any size business, I recommend Clavio. They're a great entry point for people and they do really sophisticated things with their data. They have really great predictive analytics. Their automations work really well and they've got a pretty easy to use email builder, drag and drop builder. So for, yeah, especially e-commerce world, I really recommend Clavio. 
they're they're the best bang for your buck. And if you get too big for that, then that's a whole other ball game, right? That's a good problem to have. Great. Well, that happens a time with just about everybody I know suddenly on board. There's one guy in a, a mastermind that I'm a member of for some fantastic email seller marketers, I should say Amazon sellers, mostly e-commerce sellers who also have their own Shopify stores in most cases or e- uh, WooCommerce, whatever. And pretty much to a person, they are now transitioning to over Clavio, mostly because one guy got such stellar results with it. They said, oh, X, can you come and work on my Clavio? And, and he said, yeah, sure, my email, I mean, and, and they all transitioned to Clavio and they're loving it. And then one of the guys in the 10K Collective Mastermind I run is absolutely killing it on behalf of a client. He's got one, he's got a strange agency with one client, but they're killing it. And they're spending something like ridiculous, like I don't know what, you know, tens of thousands a day on Facebook ads and going to email and they're, they're doing email marketing with Clavio. So yeah, this this is the place to be. Clearly, it's interesting. I just wanted to see mm-hmm. what the experts say. So tell me a little bit more about automation then. So or whatever we're going to call it, some kind of thing that's based mm-hmm. on behavior, which as you say, is a very nice, clear way of differentiating that from the other stuff. It really strikes me that that, that as a generalization across everything we're saying, it comes down to seeing things from the customer's or receiver's point of view rather than our point of view, right? So how do we how do we figure that stuff out? Because obviously this stuff can get very complicated very quickly. What, what's a way of trying to set things up such that when somebody receives a message, it's relevant to them? Yeah, so this is sort of where customer journey comes into play, right? Where and And so what I do for a lot of clients is I map that out. And I do this because I was working in-house for a very large e-commerce company, and we had a ton of automations going on. And it's like, who's getting what, when, where, how? Somebody could be getting, you know, three emails a day, all with competing offers, right? And it's just a mess. So, so mapping that out, like, it's a very visual process of looking at, you know, where are your customers coming from? or your subscribers coming from, what what are your most popular opt-in offers? How are you nurturing somebody once they become a subscriber to becoming a customer? And then based on all of these other digital and data points, where else could they be following in and being nurtured? So it's that it's that process of looking at from new customer to how are they becoming a customer? Once they become a customer, what emails are they getting right off the bat, right? And how are you suppressing that new customer from any other email they could be getting? Because, you know, when somebody becomes a customer, they're going to get, you know, order confirmation immediately. They're going to get a shipping confirmation. They might get a delivery confirmation email. You're going to then send them a review request email and any other sequence of emails for a new customer. So how are you suppressing those people within whatever two, three week period after making a purchase from all of your other email campaigns? And then like, then you have also the additional opportunity that this person just purchased from you. What content are you serving to them so that they see the full value of your product? And so nurturing that new customer so they feel good, great, get customer service support if they need need it. And then how do you get that next purchase? right? How do you nurture them there? And then how do you reactivate old customers or people who joined your list and have have never purchased? So it's looking at that entire cycle and mapping it out and what emails you want to be sending to them. And so you can see that entire process. Okay, if they're getting this set of emails, where am I holding them back in another potential place, right? Because it's not just linear, 
right? It doesn't go from new subscriber to customer to repeat customer or whatever. People are browsing your website. They're doing lots of things. And so prioritizing which sequence they're going to get no matter what is really important. Wow. And, and this is the point at which I think that a lot of people assume, that why should I bother hiring an email expert? I mean, I can just write a few emails myself. It's English. I speak English. That's it. Done. And now that's obviously pretty similar, pretty primitive thinking. The next level up, I think, is a lot of people assume that email copywriters are genius copywriters who would simply write the most incredible salesy email. You send it once and then money falls off trees into the hands. But what you're saying really just just absolutely is kind of slightly scary, but also it, it makes so much sense that actually if you're not careful, and I've seen this myself, I occasionally just about smart enough to recognize how dumb I'm being. And, and one of the things I do is I look at an individual email subscriber every so often, more out of curiosity than yeah. re regular, regular checkups, which should be what I do. And I'm like, wow, these guys are getting a lot of emails from me. We've got the, the weekly, sometimes bi-weekly if I'm going nuts, uh, newsletters about different things. I've got some kind of random promotion I'm running for an affiliate that I, I suddenly am in a panic about. For example, an affiliate got in touch with me today and he should know better by now. And he said, I'd love you to send three emails about this conference by Monday. I'm like, it's Thursday. I'm not, I wrote back to him. I said, I'm not going to email my list three times about one offer in four days. That's, that's over emailing. So, and, and that sort of thing adds up so easily and it becomes very, each thing individually makes sense. But if you put it together, it's just a nasty barrage of emails and what you're saying is that structure is what we need help with and, and as soon as you're saying this i'm like i can see why this is important and i can totally see why you've got to have help with this because it sounds pretty intimidating so i guess i'm about to ask you what how do we do it ourselves but before we do that how do people get in touch with you to get help with this because it sounds a bit scary <laughs> yeah so you can i mean not to brag but i hang out a lot on the internet you can find me over there I'm very featured. Uh, so I have a website. Uh, you can. I have digital products that can walk you through some of these things. That's flourishgrit.com. I also hang out a lot on LinkedIn. I'm very active over there where I share a lot of these juicy details and content. So feel free to come connect with me there and follow me. And then I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't have an email list where I also share these things. So <laughs> come hang out on my email list. You'll find it on my website where I got a ton of fun freebie things. But yeah, that's where I am. That's where I hang out. So flourishgrit.com. Obviously, you've got courses. I guess you've got courses on how to, you've got many different courses from what I saw. Have you got a course on how to deal with this whole thing? You're talking about the structure in the emails as such that people don't get bombarded or neglected. So like the automation piece, that is, I'm working on that part. <laughs> yeah. So, cause that is a whole other complicated issue because it depends, like so much of it depends on the tools you're using, especially with automation. Yes. And some people are still, are using products or they call them email service providers, like a Clavio or a MailChimp. They're using those types of services that are like a MailChimp and they're on the free account. And it's like, don't even bother with automation yeah. or they come to me with constant contact and I'm like, no. <laughs> just yeah. don't do this at home yeah. okay well that's that's by the way the first kind of platform centric thing you've pretty much said apart from recommending clavio so it's mm -hmm. it's been delightfully platform agnostic until this point but yeah I, I i take your point that trying to create a course is pretty tricky because i've created the odd courses and it's hard to simplify it down so but yeah. i guess people just need to get in touch with you if they're really struggling because as we mm -hmm. said at the end of the last show i i'm just such a believer in email marketing i mean again 
just been proven by all my friends suddenly going, wow, we're making so much money from Clavio mm-hmm. and, and doing email marketing well. And these guys, some of them doing, you know, eight figures a year on Amazon. They're, they're not, they weren't born yesterday. So mm-hmm. it, it just keeps coming back round email, right? That's one of the things I love about it. It's that it's, it's deceptively complex, actually, but it's also in its essence simple. So I guess I've got to ask you then, apart from then the answer to, contact Emily (laughs) if we're trying to this is like a super complicated answer implied by this I'm going to ask anyway how do we begin to go about doing that stuff ourselves that you were just talking about that process of creating the customer journey so it's really looking at you know thinking about you know what are the stages that your customers go through and you actually had a really uh, this is something I do too that you just mentioned is go and look at specific subscribers just pick a random one and look at their data in your email service provider and if you have a really good one if you have a really good email service provider another one that I use is active campaign you can go in and see okay what pages are people looking at when they signed up what were they looking at? What did they sign up with, right? And then you can start to see where things don't start to be so linear, right? (laughs) Somebody might've gone and downloaded something or browsed a product, added it to their cart, whatever that is. And so it's really starting to look at your digital touch points. Where are people interacting on your site the most? And again, you can either see that in an email service provider or your analytic, your web analytics. And then how are you following up uh, as the most ba- at the most basic level? What are those lowest hanging fruit? What's the lowest hanging fruit? And how are you following up? And, and that's really it in a nutshell is just following up. <laughs> so that's like the very basic level. And then when you're ready to get more sophisticated, you can look at mapping things out. I use a tool called Miro to it's an online whiteboard and you can mm. do all sorts all sorts of cool stuff get ready to go down the rabbit hole with that one Miro, yeah how do you spell miro <laughs> m-i-r-o okay miro.com it's a really basic questions mm-hmm. here yeah mm-hmm. sophisticated questions yeah. but okay yeah mm-hmm. I, <laughs> Okay, love it. But actually, I thought that was a ridiculous question because it's how long is a piece of, well, it's, it's so broad in answer, but actually you've really nailed it. I mean, so what pieces do people look at? What do they sign up with? And just looking at what they're doing and where are you following up? As you said, the fortunes in the follow-up is the phrase, right? The money's in the list and the fortunes in the follow-up are the two cliches around email marketing and mm-hmm. still true. Amazing, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. such an incredible thing to me. We're in 2021 now and, and email marketing has been around since the early mid-90s and it's still pretty much the best in terms of return on investment. Incredible. And, you know, it just keeps getting more sophisticated. The more we're able to collect data and synthesize it, the more we're able to really serve people in a really meaningful way. Yeah, very cool stuff. Well, look, I know you've got a a magnet, which is not quite related to the theme of today, but still uh, common enough questions. How on earth do I boost my open rates? And I'm still always obsessed with my open rates, like any email marketer. And that's at flourishgrit.com forward slash open. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about what's included with that information? So it's a breakdown of, you know, open rates, what they mean, and what you need to know to keep your open rates super healthy and up there. And it also includes a subject line formula that I recommend um, people check out or utilize. And if you start taking the suggestions in that lead magnet, you'll immediately start seeing results. So I haven't heard otherwise yet. 
in the absence of criticism we're taking that as a winner but now I'm, I'm sure with yeah. your absolute really obvious expertise that you're actually the person to go to well look emily what's been really nice about this has been a lot of fun as well as informative which is a great combo and i really that's the message i'm taking away from this apart from the fact that you need to think about your customers not yourself which is kind of obvious but we all fall into that trap but having fun with it it seems like you're really a person that's had a fun in business and that's just so refreshing and i think as you said in, in the last episode in these grim times i think if popping an email into your customers or prospects uh, inbox and can give them a bit of a boost that's got to be a great thing so it's been a real pleasure emily thank you so much for coming on to to share your wisdom today yeah thank you thanks so much for listening to the 10k collective podcast part of the family of amazing fba podcasts Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.